0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 98 here. I'm
1: Brevin alongside Kyle Betts. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good, Brevin. Uh, as you mentioned, episode number 98 here of DTL, and it's crazy to think that we've made it this far, and we're closely approaching episode number 100, and we're going to get a lot to this week, too. I mean, I'm looking really, really looking forward to it, and. Uh, It's all starting with uh, a bunch of different sports that have just really happened over the course of the past few days since we last recorded. Mm
0: -hmm. Here on Wednesday, uh, April 26th, we're approaching four o'clock here on the West Coast. We're gonna kick things off with the past five. We're gonna start with something we talked about. Last week on our episode, something that was happening as we were recording, we gave an update during that game, uh, as that soccer game was taking place, but that was Wrexham. They won their match and they are officially getting promoted.
1: Kyle, what was your reaction to
0: hearing about Wrexham uh,
1: moving up? Yeah, I mean, they just needed one win and they were able to do it. They got that automatic promotion. Uh, They won the championship, so that means they don't have to play in the playoffs. And uh, they're moving up to the EFL League, Two, So that's the fourth tier in English football. And they can now play uh, Premier League teams or championship teams in uh, domestic competitions now, like the FA Cup. And the EFL, also known as the Carabao Cup, too. So that's pretty interesting. And then uh, they're also trying to recruit uh, Gareth Bale. Did you see any of this, Brevin? Oh, really? They're
0: trying to recruit him now?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, Gareth Bale tweeted out a congratulations video to Rob McElhinney. Uh He shares ownership of the club with Ryan Reynolds as we mentioned in last week's episode, number 97. Uh-huh. We can give it a listen. We uh, recorded with uh, Luis Lopez. Got into a really good discussion about this, but um, yeah, it pretty much Gareth Bale just con- congratu- congratulated the club and then McElhinney responded. He- he's trying to recruit Bale. He said, let's play golf where I... Holy totally won't spend four hours trying to convince you to unretire for one last magical season. Okay. And then Bale replied, it depends what course. So you never know what's going to happen with uh, someone like Gareth Bale. I believe he's only 33 or 34. So he, he still got years ahead of him if he wanted to continue playing. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen others go uh, pretty far in their, in their career. So uh, we'll see if he decides to make a comeback, but he recently retired after the MLS Cup, as we discussed uh, in a former episode here on Down the Line as well, uh, after LAFC won that title. So, uh, Brevin, what do you think about all of this?
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think about how just how much teams can move up. I mean, we've seen it before, but we don't see it much here in the United States about teams being able to move up or move down links. We just see them win and just move on to a new season, you know, whether it's professional, whether it's minor leagues uh affiliates for major league teams you just see them win and get set for another season so it's kind of like it feels kind of like the way we're seeing right now with college sports right now with the way and you see kind of with high school sports and how they're able to move up the div- divisions based
1: on success definitely it's like a intriguing part of sports uh the relegation system is and, uh, Rexon benefiting from that, they have the resources now, um, owned by the two actors, like we mentioned. Um, and so, uh, they're destined for success because they're getting a lot of publicity right now and that's going to help them, man. Uh, I think that their success is going to continue because they're going to get some talent, even if they don't necessarily get Gareth Bale, uh, they could definitely recruit a couple guys who would want to play for that team, maybe who are, uh close to retirement and and try and uh, help them achieve their goals.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. We move on to point number two here. The Tampa Bay Rays, as we talked about last week, had a start of the year 13-0, and which um, broke a – that tied the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers, Atlanta Braves for the best start to a season, um, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. They also had a 14 game home winning streak to start a year that was snapped on Tuesday and a five, nothing loss against the reigning World series champion. The Houston Astros and marked the longest streak to begin a season in the modern era.
1: Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, they uh, were able to get this far. And of course it, it happens to a really good team in the Houston Astros that break that streak. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they've been really accomplishing a lot earlier this season because uh, they broke the record for most home runs to start a year with 21. He did that. Uh, Randy Arena, I should say, did that uh, last Saturday against the Chicago White Sox. The previous record, obviously, uh, we know how good that 2019 Seattle Mariners team was uh, in terms of hitting long bombs. They set that previous record with 20 straight games to start the season. Ah, uh, with the home run. Uh, mm-hmm. So to see the Rays break that record still, and and to see them uh, achieve a fourteen-game home winning streak. I mean, these records are crazy, and I think their success is going to continue. Obviously, they're going to encounter these teams that shut them out, like these really good competitive teams that we see in the postseason, like the Astros. But um, the future is bright for this team.
0: Mm-hmm. Currently, the.
1: Uh... Astros
0: and Rays are squaring off right now. It's the bottom of the first. The Astros uh, currently lead 1-0 to zero right now as the afternoon slated games are just about to get underway. All right, point number three, maybe we move on to some hockey now. As you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. But the NHL and the NHL Players Associ- Association announced plans earlier today that hockey— Will be played internationally at Avicii Arena in Stockholm, Sweden. It will feature the Detroit Red Wings, the Minnesota Wild, the Ottawa Senators, and the Toronto Maple Leafs for some regular season games in November. Each team will play two regular season games. So it's from Thursday, November sixteenth to Sunday, November nineteenth. How direction you actually hearing about NHL being played in Sweden?
1: Yeah, this is the first time hearing of this, and I think it's a great idea. Um, They're able to spread the game. We can watch it here in America. I mean, it's watchable um, for the most part, at least here on the West Coast. Maybe not that Sunday uh, game at 4 a.m., but, I mean, so it's a good idea. They're expanding the game here. Um, They're making it uh, available to more audiences that are interested in hockey, and so... um, I think it's a little bit of an experiment at the same time, because if it pans out, then they can expand from here. If not, then who knows what's going to happen. But uh, clearly they're catering to a specific audience here in in Sweden. So um, let's see how it plays out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This comes as, um, you know, we see a lot of uh, players from overseas make their way to the NHL as we also see it every four years during the winter Olympics, Uh they get to play for their home countries. All right. Number four, we go uh, back to baseball. Seattle Mariners starting pitcher, Robbie Ray, is going to miss the rest of the season due to shoulder flexion and surgery. Uh, Ray was the 2021 AL Cy Young Award, got that big contract after that, uh, just a couple months after winning the award.
1: Yeah, I got a uh, haircut today, and just before I walked in for my appointment, I got this notification on my phone about this and I was pretty shocked about it, to be honest. And so um, this is a big deal. It's going to affect their pitching staff. Um, I think they have the depth to kind of make up for it, but still a huge loss because as you mentioned, uh, Cy Young award winners are difficult to replace regardless of how they're doing in terms of form. So it's going to be interesting to see who, who fills in for him and how he does. hmm
0: uh-huh. All right, we move on to number five, where last weekend we had one of the biggest fights of the year between Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis take place over the weekend in Las Vegas. Kyle, how much of that fight did you watch?
1: Yeah, I watched pretty much all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. It became the fifth highest live gate in the history of fights uh, in Vegas and over 100 million pay-per-view uh, viewers uh we're watching that game.
1: Wow. Those are some crazy numbers.
0: Mm-hmm. So big stuff going on in Vegas this past weekend. One of our one of our former guests who've been on the show, one of our former colleagues at David Daily Aztec, uh and one of our sports editors, um, that like Kyle and I worked under was Kyle's assistant sports editor at the time. Aaron Tolentino was there covering um that matchup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Aaron As always, he does a great job uh, working for uh, cron 4 up in the Bay Area. He's always publishing some really good uh, Twitter content and uh, stuff for web too as well for uh, Cron. So it's great to see him uh, kind of be able to cover these events that he is so passionate about. Because we all know that um, he's so big into boxing. he, He takes it up on his own um to try and get closer to the game and i think it shows in his reporting too and Mm -hmm. uh we all know how good he is uh with reporting uh brevin and what he's been able to do so far in his career and uh as i mentioned before to cover this event was huge for him and uh he did a great job doing so go ahead and follow him by the way at Mm -hmm. a tolent two on twitter Mm -hmm. um Shout out to him, man. He, he did a great job covering this and he, he's posting about it, so uh, go ahead and give him a follow, but yeah, I, I think in terms of the fight itself, Brevin, uh, it was great. Uh, I, I think Garcia got punched in the kidney, or mm-hmm. I think it was the liver, and it just completely shut him down, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't the ending I think most people expected, but uh, Tank Davis got the knockout punch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fifth Las Vegas the fifth highest Las Vegas skate in terms of ticket sales at 22.8 million dollars
1: wow
0: all right we go from uh one big event to another this week where we're going to transition transition out of the big five to the NFL we got the NFL draft this week Kyle, how are you excited for the draft to take place beginning tomorrow
1: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh I think this year has a lot more subsets and volume to the draft than last year did just because this class is so talented and there's a lot more quarterbacks here that, that are intriguing and more quarterbacks that teams need too. So uh, we're going to see who trades up and who trades down and how it all plays out.
0: Mm-hmm. But speaking of quarterbacks, uh, before we get more into the draft, we got news that came out for sources on Monday that quarterback Aaron Rodgers was being traded from Green Bay to the New York Jets. The deal became official today, earlier today. So these are the details. The Jets, the receiving Rodgers. Um, they receive a 2023 first and fifth round pick. So it's number 15 tomorrow. And then a fifth round pick, number 170. The Packers, they receive the number 13th pick. Tomorrow, they also receive a second-round pick, which is number 42, and then a sixth-round pick. And then they also get a 2024 conditional second-round pick that could become a first-round pick if Aaron Rodgers plays at 65% of the place.
1: Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see uh, if that happens, which I think most people assume it will unless he gets injured. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out alongside Zach Wilson as well, mm-hmm. one of the Jets backups. You still got Joe Flacco, I believe, unless he's a free agent. And then there's also Mike. Did Mike White sign elsewhere? I, I think can, he did. Yeah, he signed elsewhere. I can't remember where, yeah. but uh, yeah, I you know when when you consider this Jets team with Aaron Rodgers, it's a it's a big deal. Uh, he totally changes the dynamic of how this team will operate. They need to build upon their skill weapons within the draft and possibly uh free agency as well and the other positional needs, too. But man, I mean, what a gift for these guys. He said Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Aaron Rodgers said, Nathaniel Hackett was uh pretty much key in getting him to New York, and so I'm like, hey man, what happened with Denver? You know? <laughs> so yeah, uh, but for the Jets, it's a great deal, and I mm-hmm. think they are pretty much an automatic playoff team unless things go horrifically wrong. You would think, right?
0: Yeah, you would think so. Mike White is with the Dolphins. Oh, um. But you think about this Jets team. You know, Alan Lazard's there. He'll yeah. he'll get the receiving core all together. You got your. Hopefully, you have a brief, healthy Brees Hall, and then you get James Robinson. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll lead that back yeah. with the two of them. Um, but you think about the Packers, it's Jordan Love time now um, with Aaron Jones and um, hopefully a, um, their healthy tight end who tours ACL, I think it was last year, a couple years ago. So, yeah, um, yeah, another rebuilding time for um, the Packers as they boost up on draft picks.
1: Yeah, Jordan Love, the Bakersfield native. Yep. Mm-hmm. Him. He went to Liberty High. They just won the state championship not too long ago at uh, Saddleback College. And, yeah, I, I mean, it's fantastic for him to get an opportunity, I think, because he's been waiting for this. He's been training under Aaron Rodgers. uh draws parallels to things that have happened within the – Packers organization that we're going to get into here in a sec, but Mm -hmm. um, it's a good move for them because they're able to see how he does and if they don't like what they see in live game action, then they could potentially move on later and uh, see what happens after a year or two. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we think about how the last time a quarterback was traded from Green Bay to the New York Jets, that was Brett Favre, so if there's any track record there that's looking good for jordan love to get better in the next couple of years yeah all right well, we're gonna move on now back to the draft now kyle who do you think is going to be the who do you think will be the first overall pick right young yeah i think that's who it's going to be but it's below that that'll be the uh uh challenging part to put together
1: definitely it's uh we all thought CJ Stroud was pretty much the consensus second overall pick or second quarterback uh-huh. to go at least uh-huh. um, and now we're not sure if that's going to happen we can see another uh quarterback jump ahead of him uh Will Evis, Anthony Richardson uh some people have even thrown Hendon Hooker up in that mix um so yeah I think it just depends on team needs uh s- some people kind of anticipate what teams will do like the Indianapolis Colts how they need a quarterback but other teams uh maybe like the Houston Texans sitting at number two they could take a quarterback or maybe they might not I mean we don't know yet uh anything could happen uh you never know if teams could trade up or down as well and that's really when we makes this draft so exciting.
0: Yeah, Kyle, do you think we'll see any trades within the top 8-10, within the top 8-10 picks?
1: Yeah, I think we'll see at least one, you would think, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not sure where. Um, Could we have multiple? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Mm it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, Three and then four, you're pushing like three, you're pushing it, I think. Three, you're pushing it. But uh-huh. uh, I think one or two is is definitely possible within the first eight or ten, no doubt about it. Um, uh-huh. Like you said, it just depends on team needs and what's available. I mean, the Cardinals, for example, sitting at number three, they yep. want to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh-huh. So you never know who could maybe trade up, even within the top ten, to swoop in at number three.
0: Yeah, because you, you got Carolina, they got the first pick that came within, um, you know, getting that um, trade for number one. Then you got Houston Texans at two, Arizona's three, Indies at four, we'll get to them in a sec. Seattle is five, followed by Detroit, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Chicago, and then Philly is there at 10. But Kyle, you think about the Indianapolis Colts. you cover them for heavy.com. What do you see? Which kind of which quarterback do you see the Colts taking there at four?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, it's really tough to say. There's no kind of indication or direction where they're going to go in this draft. We do know that they are pretty much going to take a quarterback. We just don't know who. And so I, I think they have expressed interest in Stroud because with them sitting at four, I think they'd be happy with him falling, considering he was projected to go number two or three pretty much this entire offseason until now. um, A lot of uh, rumors about that S2 test. And uh, I I think that's kind of what's affecting his draft stock here. Um, But the Colts value accuracy uh, first and foremost. And I don't know that that's what they've said this offseason, but who knows if they actually say that because Someone like Anthony Richardson isn't the most accurate quarterback, but he's a playmaker and that's who they haven't had. And I don't know. I, I think that might be what they need. And so maybe it has to be taking a gamble on someone like him, or maybe they just stick to their conventional tall uh, gunslinger quarterback type and go for Will Levis. I mean, it, it, it just depends on preference and, who's available and that's all up to general manager, Chris Ballard.
0: How important or how kind of crucial is it for the Colts when they're selecting their quarterback in the meticulous process, knowing the the string quarterbacks this franchise has had after Andrew Luck?
1: Yeah. Andrew Luck retired, uh, as you kind of alluded to there uh, in 2019, uh, suddenly just before the preseason, and uh, it was kind of uh, a tough situation to go through because they brought in Jacoby Reset then. He did fine, but they moved on from him, brought in Phillip Rivers. Um, They made the postseason with him, but um, didn't go far at all. They only played one game, and then obviously um, they, they experimented kind of with Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan these past two seasons didn't work either time. So, um, especially after, you know, Jeff Saturday comes in and he he only wins one game out of uh, eight, um, it's crucial for them to really kind of hone in on a quarterback here, as you mentioned. And I, I think a rookie franchise kind of guy is what they need to build around um, or at least take a gamble on because it, something fresh is – really what they need right now and there there were rumors too of maybe even trading for lamar jackson and and Mm -hmm. acquiring him from the ravens but i don't think that's going to happen i think they need a rookie quarterback and it's important for them to get this right um but i i i think they have narrowed their list to a couple guys and uh whoever's available they're 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 gonna get
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i was watching nfl network yesterday they asked who was going to. They asked like four different people who, who the Colts are going to pick up for their quarterback, and they put this up on a graphic. They yeah. listed four different quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> one of
0: those was Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, that just shows how unpredictable this draft is.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravens do have the twenty-second pick, um, just behind. The Chargers and just ahead of the Minnesota Vikings, the Broncos do not have a first round pick. It was supposed to be number five, but after um they traded with the Seahawks. Kyle how do you see the Broncos um with this draft? Um with their draft uh, coming up.
1: Yeah, and then Brevin, as you mentioned, they also uh not only was that their only pick, they also had one uh and traded it to the Saints. To acquire yep. sean payton yeah so, via san
0: francisco mm-hmm.
1: yeah via san francisco which was via the dolphins and the bradley yep. cup cherry mm-hmm. So i think this is all involving trey lance somehow or something like that
0: i think something like that yeah
1: it so originally
0: involved trey lance
1: yeah great trey lance for sean payton some yeah <laughs> but uh yeah but it's a transitive process yeah right um but it's, it's pretty interesting like you mentioned to see how this all kind of plays out Um, I I think there's, uh, there's a little bit of a gamble, obviously, when, um, you don't have a first round pick and you're just kind of trusting the process. But, um, I think under Peyton, they're in good hands and he's a good leader. So I'm going to see how it all plays out this off season. Maybe they make a trade up. Who knows? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. We think about as well as we like also throughout this first round, this is a Texans team New coach with D'Amico Ryans at six years deal. He's got two two first round picks um within the top twelve at number two and number twelve, part of I'm pretty sure the Deshaun Watson trade um uh, just a couple of years ago. And you know, this could be a huge team like we mentioned. Um that could be one of the teams that moved down to get a um, you know, knowing that they got that slot there at twelve. So possibility that houston could we could see trade we talked about arizona um that could trade with teams so there might be those two teams that you're looking at to possibly move with um another team that wants to move up
1: yeah i mean out of those two teams i feel like the cardinals are the most likely to move down Mm -hmm. but either could I mean, you never know. It's the NFL draft, right? Uh, Anything's possible. So um, it just depends what's offered for uh, whatever suitor has. And they'll go from there. I mean, the speculation is going to be ongoing, and as it has been this entire offseason and every offseason. But um, it all comes together tomorrow, and um, we're all going to see how it plays out. But at the same time, it's going to be important to remember more rumors are going to come out. As the day goes on tomorrow, yeah. so mm-hmm. that's going to be important to watch.
0: Yeah, and two, there seems that like we talked about last week that might not need a quarterback. Seattle's in that conversation with Geno Smith's um, contract extension. So, just like the Raiders, they could they could possibly go for a quarterback that they, they want to grow um, within their system. Obviously, different coaching regimes too, and the length of time with. Pete Carroll being in Seattle for as long as it feels like ever. And then you got Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, with the Raiders. and um, just been here for a couple of seasons now for God, not even barely 14 months now Yeah, um, in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, who knows who's going to trade up? I, I think there's going to be one trade maybe within the top. It's mm-hmm. completely unexpected. And maybe a team takes a quarterback or something that we did not see coming. Um, because there's always one of those, I, I feel, within the first 15 picks every single year. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. the amount of quarterbacks available in this draft and even skill position players like Bijan John Robinson, I mean, who knows where that guy's going to end up, right? So
0: yeah.
1: mm-hmm. um, it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. You think about Bijan John Robinson, um he can maybe go to Atlanta if they want a running back. If they don't want a quarterback at eight, um, I think he's also met with Philly. They pick all the way down at thirty, so they can. If Philly wants Bijan Robinson, head of a team like Buffalo,
1: yeah,
0: uh, you know that might happen. Um, you know, so it's, um, it'd be interesting to see where, um. You know what happens? Tennessee could maybe strike a trade, you know, with I don't know, the Eagles. There was talk about maybe King Henry getting traded, I think, last week at one point. Yeah. (laughs) With the Eagles or something like that. Um the Eagles who also have the tenth pick. Um as well. So so the Eagles are another team that has two picks, but it'd just be interesting to see what happens tomorrow in this first round um of the NFL draft.
1: Yeah, it all comes together tomorrow, man. It's it's going to be fun. I had no idea this draft was in uh, Kansas City. Uh-huh. And it's the largest stage apparently ever built for a draft. Uh, don't know how long it took them to assemble it, but it, it's really big. Um, they have like thousands of LED lights, like something, some crazy number. Um, I can't remember exactly how many it is, like 30,000 or something. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, man, it's going to be a great draft. The unexpected is imminent. I mean, we're just going to expect it and it's going to come. And yeah. it's going to be a, a really good draft overall, I think, in terms of presentation and how things go, um, especially now that um, this off season has been so tumultuous with rumors that um, have really just flooded everything. Um, to see it all just assemble together tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out who the final – who has the last pick.
1: Um, In the first round? Or over? No,
0: overall in the seventh round. Oh. Um, <laughs> looks like the final pick would be number 261. Yeah. So – um, I don't quite know who's number that's two, team. two. which team that is, but no, oh. I wonder if that person will be as, will he give us quality in their rookie year as the way we saw Brock Purdy
1: here this year? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think we might end up seeing, um, Brock Purdy remain the Niner starter. Obviously he's dealing with his injury and, and surgery that's happened right now. Um, mm-hmm. um, but we're, we're going to have to see what happens uh, with that Mr. Relevant pick, like you mentioned. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I'm trying to look it up right now
0: myself. Um, no, the Texans are at 259.
1: Yeah. But I don't know who's below them. Oh, it's the Texans. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a comp- comp- compensa- compensatory Uh huh. hmm can't can't I speak to it. Uh-huh, yeah. Gosh, I cannot speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh, the next Mister Relevant could end up being someone like Stetson Bennett. I'm seeing that rumor right now. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> even possible, but yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I think Stetson
0: Bennett will get picked before that, or if not, he just won't get picked at all. Or at all, yeah. But, yeah, we will see how this NFL draft plays out tomorrow. I think it begins at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, Thursday, April 27. Um, but right now we'll move on to some NBA playoffs. Some series are coming to an end of the eighth playoff series between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Three have come to an end. One was a four-game uh, four sweep. That was the Philadelphia 76ers that we talked about last week. Also had in the Western Conference, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves losing in five games to the Denver Nuggets. Yes, on Tuesday. And then, oh no, actually, yesterday, today's Wednesday, Um, yesterday, and also finishing up their series with Phoenix Suns winning five games yesterday over the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going to start with that uh, Philly series. I know we didn't talk about that much, but. Your reaction to that Philly series um, getting done quickly.
1: Yeah, no surprise there. Uh, Philly pretty much putting on a show the whole time. Uh, I think the most important story, obviously, is Joel Embiid, uh, how he's doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. They need him ready for next series. He suffered kind of a knee problem, and uh, they needed him to be healthy, and I think it was a good decision to sit him out in that series, especially they didn't really need to play him. Um, Mm -hmm. So. Uh, hopefully he's ready for them because he he's their X factor. Obviously I, I think he's going to win MVP, um, but yeah, I, I think even without him, regardless, they still have some really good talent. Tyrese Maxey has really uh, shouldered a lot of that weight so far here in the postseason. season. I think that's going to continue.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as long as the Atlanta Hawks keep winning, that means more rest for Joel Embiid in the 76 years before that Eastern Conference semifinals matchup between the Hawks and the Celtics. We'll get more on that in a sec, but you think about the two Western Conference matchups that I concluded yesterday, Kyle, you think about the Nuggets uh, moving on. That seemed like a a fairly uh, explanatory gentleman sweep there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I saw coming. I wasn't sure, but yeah, I mean, this Nuggets team looks really good. They look Uh, kind of how they did in the bubble almost with Jamal Murray back on their side. Uh, He does a really good job with the basketball, really at every level offensively. And uh, the Joker has done a really nice job this postseason. He's pretty pretty much putting up triple-double stats night in and night out, you know. And so um, I think when you consider how this team finished the regular season at number one, coming into uh, the playoffs, they're performing how they were supposed to.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you think about below them, just getting up was a 4-5 matchup on the West Coast between the Phoenix Suns and the Cl- Los Angeles Clippers. The Suns get it done in five games, 136-130 yesterday's Game 5 score to help Phoenix win that series four games to one. Kyle, how important uh, was a guy like Devin Booker in the
1: series without a um, couple of key pieces for the Clippers? Oh, yeah, he was huge this whole series. I mean, what did he average? Probably like 42 a game or something like that. Uh-huh. I mean, just a ridiculous series from him overall. And uh, I, I think he's key to this basketball team. Obviously, there's Kevin Durant um, as a really good piece as well that they acquired for mid-season. But uh, Ke- uh, Devin Booker, man, he, he really is the one that leads this team. Uh, and that's showing with his – talent i mean just shouldering the weight to be honest with you and so as long as that continues they're gonna go far in this postseason i can't remember who they have next i think it's the nuggets
0: yeah it'd be the nuggets Uh
1: so that's gonna be a great series to look forward to um tough to make a prediction there but man um this postseason so far has been really good really unexpected but these series that we just talked about have been quite the opposite, I think, the two outliers in terms of this entire postseason.
0: Mm -hmm. Game one between the Nuggets and Suns will be Saturday, um, April 29th. Still don't know what time, just because of the other series still going on, still up in the air, but uh, we think about one of the series that's not even close to being done. That is a series that's tied at 2-2 in the Western Conference. That is the Battle of Northern California between the number three seed Sacramento Kings and the number six seed and the reigning NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Both teams were able to control their home courts. The Kings took the first two games, and then the Warriors took their two games at Chase Center uh, in San Francisco. Now Now the series goes back to Sacramento, really, for a best of three with game five taking place tonight. Kyle, how do you see this? rest of the series playing out as well as the with the notion and idea of Darren Fox being having a fractured uh, tip to his finger
1: yeah and he's playing through it right yeah so uh, it's going to be fun to watch I think with him on the court regardless Um, I'm sure that thing is going to be taped up and it's going to be maybe even shot up before the game you know but Mm -hmm. um, I I think this Kings team is really well balanced out. And even if he has to sit out for a few minutes uh, than his average, they're still going to be able to really produce on both ends of the floor as we've seen all season. DeMoss' bonus is their all-star center, and he's going to have to be the one to control everything offensively if De'Aaron Fox isn't out there. And even then, he still does a great job. And uh, I think they have depth behind De'Arne Fox as well. Davion Mitchell is one of those guys who can fill in at backup point guard and really produce at a high level. He's hit some key shots in these playoffs so far, and I think that will continue here if he has to play a lot more due to Fox's injury.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just hard to go against when Curry and Thompson are scoring the way they are. It's kind of hard to go against them. So I think, you know, and I think Luis said this last week about how the Warriors, they win at least – one road game um within all their winning series so it's not just they win their four home games and then move on you know they win at least one of their road games and that can easily either come tonight or it comes sunday if it gets to a game seven so i think the warriors are gonna win wednesday or sunday and i think they'll be the team that moves on right um within that series kyle what do you see moving on now in this best of three
1: yeah, probably the Warriors, too, I would say. I mean, just that that experience, that talent, it's going to show as it has already in the series uh, with them coming back in it. And so I think that's going to continue here. Uh-huh. All right, we
0: move down the uh, the other uh, series taking place in the Western Conference. you got the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies facing elimination tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, for a game five there, down 3-1. Kyle, thoughts about that Monday night game um, with a 117-111
1: victory in overtime for the Lakers? Yeah, huge performance in the clutch from LeBron James. I mean, that's why he signed and became a Laker uh, for moments like that. And the team that they've been able to create pretty much mid-season around him is unbelievable for them to end up to be in the position that they're in Uh, now with a chance to close the series out, as you mentioned here tonight, it's going to be huge. Um, If they can take advantage and get an early win, that's going to be really important. Um, Get a little bit more rest and um, try and prepare for the next series. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we think about Anthony Davis and kind of how up and down he's been this series kind of, how do you see him possibly trying to get some consistency? Um, within this play,
1: within this Lakers team? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think really it just starts with what he's able to do physically. I mean, we've seen it throughout his career. When he plays physical, he's able to get the job done. And we've already seen him have his moments here do so in this postseason series. And so um, that's gotta continue, um, not only now, but even more so I think next series. Um, It's put him in a good (laughs) position so far I would say this this series against Jerem Jackson Jr., who's obviously the Defensive Player of the Year, at least offensively and then defensively on the floor. He's getting multiple blocks a night. But um, we need to see that here tonight, I think, out of Anthony Davis as well. And that needs to continue going on in the playoffs if they uh, continue. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, we move up to the Eastern Conference, the uh, Miami Heat, the eight-seeded Miami Heat currently lead the number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh three games to one. Game five is tonight as well. Uh that game is in Milwaukee. Kyle, how are you feeling about um does this series get wrapped up or are the Bucks able to force game six?
1: Uh I think the Bucks are definitely able to force a game six and they are got about it. I think they could even force a game seven. Now if they'll win that, that that's a whole nother question, but um I think this Bucks team um, really needs to rely on Giannis a lot more here tonight because uh, the last time they played the Heat, um, he did not produce at a high level, obviously coming back from his injury. But um, they need they need him to be a volume scorer as he is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will come down to how big that Bucks team can step up, knowing the aspirations that they want to get to. Now they're – up pretty much up against the wall, down three one. You know where they gotta just just get just focus on that first game before the next one. Knowing being down three one, it's pop, We've seen it before. Teams are down three one, but they're able to come back and win a series. All right, yeah. another uh series that is three one right now are the Cleveland Cavaliers and New York Knicks. The Knicks being the five seed. They currently have a 3-1 lead on the Cavaliers. Kyle, how do you feel like this series is going on um, so far?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen much of this series, to be honest with you, but I I think this is kind of surprising to me. I mean, this Cavaliers team, uh, you would think, uh, would produce more, but they just haven't been able to get what they wanted out of uh, Jared Allen, I think, uh, their big man, uh, so far in this series. And Julius Randle's been a key guy, for the Knicks, obviously for most of the season, and then now in this postseason, and they just don't have a solution to stop him. And I think it's showing up there, and uh, right now this is a series that Donovan Mitchell has uh, tried to be the lead scorer in pretty much every night, and uh, now they're in desperation and panic mode now that it's Mm
0: 3-1. The winner of this series between the Cavs and the Knicks will take on the winner... Of the Bucks and Heat, um, um for in the Eastern Conference semis. But, uh, we talked about the Sixers taking down the Nets, uh, in four games. You think about that other matchup in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. How about the Hawks being able to win Game Five, yeah, uh, facing elimination late with that ice tray three, uh, from Trey Young with, like, three seconds left.
1: Oh, yeah, that was savage. Yeah, that was a great play. Um, Obviously, tough road back for that Atlanta Hawks team, but if he continues to perform like that, um, that's a spark they need, and that's the player who has to do it. So, uh, like I mentioned, it's not going to be easy, but Mm -hmm. it's doable because he showed it last night. Mm -hmm. Game six in Atlanta
0: is tomorrow um, at 5.30 p.m., um also within that as a result i'm pretty sure the uh, janet jackson concert was supposed to be played in atlanta on thursday the same arena as the hawks but that now had to be moved because of the playoff game oh. and then i think also taylor swift is playing in atlanta too i think tomorrow so uh if you're not going down to atlanta uh for a Taylor Swift concert, a Janet Jackson concert, or the Atlanta Hawks? So just staying out of the Atlanta metro area.
1: Yeah, seriously, that's a complete mess.
0: Uh, uh, if the Hawks win Game Six, Game Seven it would be Saturday. Um, also on TNT. That game's at four thirty p.m. Pacific. So with that, that'll wrap up our NBA coverage for now. But um, so yeah, next week we'll talk some more conference semis Nuggets, Suns uh, get that'll get underway on saturday and then the sixers whenever they begin this series between the hawks or the celtics the winner from that series but right now we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk some baseball we're going to get some trivia we're going to get just more um padres news some angels news um coming in next year on down the line
1: back to down the line this is episode number 98 recording this on wednesday april 26 the year of 2023 right after 4 30 p.m here on the west coast as always i'm kyle betts joined by rev and honda the one and only and we have gone through a lot so far we got into our fast five our top stories of the week then we got into some nfl news with aaron Rodgers being traded officially To the New York Jets. We also talked some NFL draft. We got into the NBA playoffs too. Got into some Eastern Conference first round playoff series so far. Some are uh, still going on uh, in the Western Conference uh, as well. But two have ended there already with the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns advancing. And then out of the East, as we talked about, Philadelphia 76ers moving on. Now we're going to get into some NBA Finals here. And this is interesting because the NBA is making a change in terms of its scheduling, programming, pretty much however however you want to put it. And Brevin, I want to get your thoughts on this. The NBA Finals moving up tip times by 30 minutes. Uh, what are your thoughts on this and, and why do you think they're doing this?
0: I think this is more of an East Coast thing than a West Coast thing, I feel like. They don't want the games to be too late. I think it is, because I think the games started at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I think it's been, um, mm-hmm. which means 9 p.m. on the East Coast, and I don't think the NBA wants to be having uh, championship trophy ceremonies at midnight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of a... Uh, um during a game because people will be sleeping if it's during the week especially on like a wednesday that that series the nba final series gets done and that means people got worked the next day if they're not gonna call in sick so um i think it's the move there uh more of an east coast thing
1: right totally agree with you on that Robin. um this is interesting uh i, I think that's the reason um because so far this postseason, I mean, we've had games end at like 9.30, 9.45 here on the West Coast at times. And uh-huh. like I mentioned, that's super late out east. So um, I, I think a good move here by the NBA, even for the West Coast, too, um, because I've fallen asleep at times before games uh-huh. have ended. And I don't find out uh, until I get into work the next morning when the clips are posted on our, on our uh, servers. Uh-huh. Yeah, it'd just be interesting to see how...
0: I don't think it'd be too much of a massive change. Like, people aren't going to say, oh, that's 30 minutes it's too early to watch the game or anything like that. But it's just one of those things where... It'll be one of those smaller changes. um, Kind of like Major League Baseball, the bigger basis.
1: Absolutely agree with you on that, Brad. And speaking of Major League Baseball, let's transition into that now. Um. We've had a lot of surprises this season. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays being 20 and 4, as we talked about here earlier in the show. 14 and 1 record at home. They had a streak of 14 and they just lost it. Um, speaking of 14, that is the amount of wins the Minnesota Twins have from the AL Central. They are top that division. And then coming out of the AL West, we have the Rangers with 14 and 10 record, leading that division followed by the Astros, the Angels, the Mariners, and then the Hayes And so when you consider that, uh, not too surprising, I guess, other than the Rays having the start that they did. But coming out of the National League, we have the Braves leading the NL East. A surprise in the Pirates leading the NL Central right yep. now. 16-8. Ryan
0: Reynolds, new contract.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well-deserved, and I'm glad he's staying there. Yeah. Um, Out of the NOS, the Dodgers have now a tie for first for the division with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to see what happens here tonight, but uh, a lot has changed over the past few days here in baseball. The Padres just behind those two teams, like I mentioned. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun right now in baseball, Brad. What have been your uh, early season thoughts so far?
0: Yeah, some surprises. You mentioned the Rays being – having just lost four games so far, already 20 wins. You think about – this is a Pirates team that's having a lot of fun right now, even though they've been playing some of their weird competition. They're playing the Dodgers right now. But challenge for them early in this year, um, especially with some of their young guys around um, Andrew McCutcheon um, with yeah. that team. But Brian Reynolds, who at one point thought he was going to get traded, at one point who – uh, was gonna get a new contract to at one point wanted to be traded now gets his new contract um with the pirates i think it's six years something a little bit north of a hundred million dollars um i think it's the first nine nine digit contract given out um in team history and then there's wow. um there's like six teams that are under the no trade clause which i think is I think I read somewhere that it's the first time a Pittsburgh Pirates been given the no trade clause um within its within a contract since like 2006 or something like that. So
1: wow, um,
0: Brian Reynolds making some history here um for the Pirates. Yeah,
1: you know this would kind of be the start of something good for this Pirates team. I mean, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily gonna. Sustain this kind of performance throughout the season. I mean, they're not expected uh-huh. to, be, but see them kind of establish a player with uh, a leadership role here. He's a guy who has earned this deal, Brian Reynolds, as we've been talking about here. Um, it's great for this team, and they have some young stars in O'Neal Cruz, who unfortunately was recently injured, but hopefully we'll see him back returning soon because he's one of those young stars in the league who could really light up any game and when you think about him uh a lot of their prospects who are young and coming up you talk about andrew mccutcheon being a veteran leader right now and then uh, brian reynolds who's going to be a veteran that's sticks around for a long time too um this pirates team could kind of create something kind of fun
0: mm-hmm. yeah you got um oniel cruz mentioned andrew mccutcheon talk about brian reynolds you think about key brian hayes as well he's yeah. under contract as well we talked about That last year, and so it's a good young core um, that's starting to come together with the leadership um, with Andrew McCutcheon.
1: Definitely. Let's keep going on here to the Padres, who, like we mentioned right now, sitting at a pretty solid record when you consider how things have gone so far. 12-13, and um, just a game and a half back as we speak. And so Brevin, big series coming up this weekend as we talked about in our last episode with Luis Lopez. Go listen to that once again, episode number 97. But the Padres once again playing this weekend in Mexico City. Um, what are you kind of expecting from that?
0: Yeah, it should be a fun way to promote the game down south of the border. It's also going to, yeah. I mean, even though it'll be in a different city, it's also the same. Weekend is the PGA Tour being, uh, in Mexico for the Mexico Open down in Puerto Vallarta, so just, um, east of, uh, Mexico City for the Padres and the Giants. But it'd be a fun way for, um, these two teams between the Padres and Giants to face off in two regular season games, um, down in Mexico. The Padres are going to wear their City Connect uniforms, so, um, even more so, it's going to be a great time for um, the Padres and the Giants to represent Major League Baseball south
1: of the border. Yeah, we talked about earlier in the show how the NHL will be sending four teams to mm-hmm. Stockholm, Sweden for an international see- uh, series later this year. And then we have also in previous episodes talked about how the NFL has obviously had games in England They've had games in Germany and Mexico City as well. So to see the MLB continue to kind of have more games and locations uh, internationally like Mexico City, I think it's great for the game as well.
0: Mm -hmm. What would be interesting, though, too, um, when you look more into it, this is um, the stadium that's being played. It's more than 7,000 feet. So it's kind of like this is a pottery team that's going to play at the University of Wyoming in Laramie, um, just about. So. You're going to see, you know, we think about how much the ball flies in Colorado. We're going to see it fly just as much, if not even further, um, in Mexico City with the elevation. Okay, intru- yeah, I had no idea. But, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to watch, um, especially for a lot of home runs on both sides. From Manny Machado, Juan Soto, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr., Jock Peterson... Um, you know, so many different players, Mike Issey, um, that could be able to hit some pretty good size home runs this week.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you also uh mentioned Fernando Tatis. Well, he made his return this week. We previewed that last week, but uh, he was able to make it official here, start everything in twenty twenty three with. The Padres, his first start he went over five, but he's kind of picked up the slack since then. What are your thoughts on his performance so far in his return, Brevin?
0: Yeah, I think it's just getting back into that routine of being a Major League Baseball player. You know, he hasn't done this—not just been in the past eighty games, but really the past year, dating back to twenty twenty one, because he hasn't. He was hurt at the beginning of last year with wrist and shoulder. Injuries, then he got the surgeries once he found out he was suspended. So, you know, this is a, a time for him to, you know, get back into it, um, get adjusted. You know, he's in a new position as well, playing playing right field. And so, um, you know, he's just trying to adjust to his teammates. His teammates are adjusting to him, his coaches as well, and um, vice versa. So just getting back into the swing of things for, for Fernando Tatis Jr.,
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's what's important for him. You know, just getting back into rhythm, uh, recuperating to that everyday kind of uh, performance that we're so used to seeing from him at the plate. Still adjusting to that new position for him a little bit that he's becoming more familiar with day in and day out, out in right field. And then, two, we've seen the return of Joe Musgrove, first start of the season for him coming. Uh, just a few days ago, back on April 22nd against the Arizona Diamondbacks, he pitched five innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs in that uh, start. Um, he did strike out six, but uh, not the best start to the season. But still, good to see him go five innings and still put up a pretty solid performance there, Brevin.
0: Yeah, he got the win as well. With Oh, really? Yeah, he got help in the bullpen as well. Um, you know, and that's been a key to the Padres' total win so far has been their bullpen and how good it's been primarily, um, you know, from Josh Hader to Stephen Wilson, primarily Stephen Wilson except for last night. Um, you know, but just when the Padres are leading the bullpen, has been great. Um, you know, like Hader... Wilson, Brett Honeywell has done a great job out of the middle relief spot. Um, Luis Garcia, so Tim Hill as well. So it's been good to see the bullpen support um, starting pitching when they haven't gone that much um, in the game sometimes.
1: Definitely. And you talk about bullpens, Brevin. That has been the primary issue for the Angels so far here in – 2023, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, Brevin, when you think about how this team has made it through so far. I mean, just the disappointment night in and night out has been unbelievable from this bullpen. And the inexperience is showing they haven't really addressed much this offseason in terms of uh, what they've been able to uh, kind of fix from last season. And I think it's showing, Brevin, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's starting to show that that glacius trade isn't really panned out for both teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, Rizzo-Glacius is hurt right now. Um, you know, and so, yeah, you know, I think, you know, it's just kind of been kind of difficult for both teams within that trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's shown the Angels did trade for – Carlos Estevez from the Colorado Rockies this past offseason, but um, only four saves so far from him. Um, And just guys who have been set ups in that position for him um, have not really performed uh, and not given him chances throughout the season to be in a better spot. Um, That results in blown leads. And um, that's become kind of a recurring basis for this angels team that, as I mentioned earlier, right now is not even sitting at 500 they are currently third in the al-west with a they are actually 500 because last night they did win so 12 and 12 for them um dropped the first of uh i believe uh three games against the oakland athletics um and then they won last night so um we're gonna see what happens okay it's a four game series so um, we're going to see what happens with this Angels team playing this ace squad who has gone through a lot lately in terms of news. Um, and they only have five wins. Brevin, what do you think about the state of the Angels right now?
0: Well, this is an Angels team that lost to the Oakland A's to get one of those five wins. And yeah, bullpen's been a big part of it. And, you know, it's kind of different. The Padres have eight other wins have come from Josh Hader converting all eight of his saves, yeah. and then you know, so it's all about the bullpen being able to come together, but it's, um, I think right now the Angels would say they're in a good position because it's, you want to have these mistakes now rather than later in the year, and you know, knowing that, you know, this, this is an Angels offense that isn't quite 100% yet, so there's some good, there's some bad, and Right now, it's just I think it's just a little bit indifferent, um, right now because of how early it is in the year.
1: Yeah, I think the loss that you alluded to in that first game of this uh, four-game set here against the A's, uh, that eleven to ten loss to the A's was key, Riven, because Jose Suarez another bad start for him. He gave up seven runs in just five innings, and man, I don't know what's gonna happen next, but. Um, He has just not had the season he's wanted. A 10.26 ERA, and I am not necessarily sure if he is going to get another shot in the rotation, if they're going to send him to the bullpen, but um, once again, uh, a big factor in why the A's were so successful in that game, and then two, Jaime Maria trying to close a game. I mean, being put in that situation and pitched two innings and uh, give up a run, the 11th of the game. I mean, Brevin, just that was pretty much, I think, the worst loss for this Angels team so far this season, and it could prove to be for quite some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just being interesting to see what uh, Angels decide to do to turn it around um, behind their superstars and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani to possibly – Um, get some wins under the belt. Remember, this was a first-place team after 30 to 45 games last year. So hopefully that that lasts a little bit longer and hopefully longer into the year, Um, especially if Kyle's hoping this Angels team is a wild card team here in
1: 2023. All right. Let's keep going on here with the Angels a little bit too here because uh, catcher Logan Ohapi – is having surgery last week. We kind of talked about how he was dealing with injury. Um, and now it has pretty much all come together with some recent news coming out of angels camp about Logan, a he is likely going to be out four to six months. That was announced three days ago. So uh, on Sunday, this news came out that he has a torn labrum in his left shoulder Four to six months, once again, that was uh, said by manager Phil Nevin of the Angels. Um, The Angels had put Ohapi on the injured list prior to that, the 10-day one. Um, He bats and throws right-handed, but first hurt his left shoulder on a swing uh, a few days ago when they were playing the Red Sox in Boston. He hurt it again while hitting a single Thursday, last Thursday, in a road loss to the Yankees. Ohapi said he felt a pop come out of the back.
0: Yeah. I think I was telling Kyle this, um, one of our group chats. you know, this is something that Fernando Tatis Jr. went through two years ago. Um, I'm pretty sure I think it was Cody Bellinger went through this as well a couple years before that. So, um, and that's just part of the, uh, um, amount of torque that goes into the swing and all that stress on that front shoulder. um, you know, that goes into the swing, all that power. So um, this is kind of that give and take of what you get for too much power and too much swing and miss.
1: Yeah, and to, it was announced today, not even for baseball. I mean, this is just an athletic injury because mm-hmm. uh, C.J. McCollum uh, has a torn labrum. It was Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you see that uh, becoming a lot more common, it seems now.
0: Yeah, it's just with the amount of, I say this the amount of just the amount of pressure and on the shoulder that goes into it. Um, no matter what you're doing, shooting basketball, hitting it back, um, you know, it all comes into play,
1: right? Definitely. All right, uh, we're gonna end our show here with some trivia, and Brevin is on the chopping block here as we get into yet another segment of trivia and today the subject is nfl players and brevin more specifically here um we're gonna get into some players who have uh played the most seasons for uh one team in their careers wow
0: there goes there, there
1: there are some multiples but um I I think this is going to be pretty difficult for you. So, okay. um, what's what's the minimum
0: years you're looking for? <laughs> um,
1: well, <Okay. laughs> I, I'll, I'll 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 get there in a second. Um, I'm, I'm okay. just gonna pose you some questions about players who have spent their career at one franchise. Just general questions. Okay. So, give me a guess of. Uh, Actually, I'll do this. Uh, Over or under, NFL players who have spent their career at one franchise, over or under 20 and a half years.
0: Mm, I'm going to go under.
1: It's actually over. It's 21. Wow. Now, um, who... I can't even ask you who because you're probably, you're definitely not going to get it. But which position did there's two players who, who played 21 seasons for one, for for one, for one franchise? What position did each player play?
0: Did they play the same position? Yes. Okay. Um, what is it? I feel like it's quarterback, but it's something tells me it's not quarterback. It could be like, I mean, think about. I mean, Taylor the one didn't even last five years in Tennessee, so I think I'm gonna go quarterback here.
1: It is not quarterback. Can we give another guess?
0: Yeah, let's see. Is it offense or defense?
1: It's actually neither.
0: Oh oh my god! It's special teams. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Well, then I'm gonna go. Okay, that brings it down to three. And I haven't heard of too many long snappers that have played 20 plus years in the Played So, <laughs> all right, 50 50 chance. Punter, kicker. Let me go kicker.
1: It is kicker. Yeah. It is, is uh, <laughs> a. You know, you probably know that name. Lou Groza Award. Yep. Mm hmm. He shares the record for most seasons with the single franchise at 21 with mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns. He played with uh, for them from 1946 to 59, and then 1961 to 67. Wow. Yep. And then another player, Jason Hansen, he played with the Detroit Lions from 92 to 2012.
0: Not, not even who I was thinking. I was thinking, like, once you said kicker, I was thinking, like, Sebastian Janikowski, but he only played, like, 18 years. Yeah. But then
1: he played for two teams, so. Yeah. I don't even know who Jason Hansen uh, is, to be honest with you. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> um, uh, Janikowski played one season in Seattle. Right. And then 17
1: years in Oakland. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh... So, there are two players who have played 20 years with one team, and one of them is a Hall of Famer.
0: Okay, that shortens that list by a good amount.
1: Yeah. So, he played, I want to see if you can guess based on these numbers. He played 1976 to 95 for the Rams. LA and St. Louis. Okay. He was an offensive player, Hall of Famer, like I mentioned. Do you know who it is? 76 to
0: 95, Hall of Famer for the Rams.
1: Offensive player.
0: Oh, okay, this is before Marshall Falk. It's before Kurt Warner, obviously. Um before that generation. Um Oh my god, I feel like I should know this.
1: He's on uh, LA Media Sports Media.
0: Ooh, okay. Um, does he do Rams TV right now or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, he does, okay. Um so. hmm, seventy six to ninety five. Play with the Rams. Is he is it local Rams or is it like Fox Sports in LA?
1: Oh, it's like it's like local Rams. Local okay. Well
0: then that takes out that's okay good. I was like, well it cannot be Terry Rush. I didn't think it was Jimmy Johnson. Um Oh my god, I'm blanking. Who is it, Kyle? It's Jackie Slater. Okay, I
1: wouldn't have gotten that one. Oh <laughs> really? <right>, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I believe he's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Played his entire career with the Rams franchise, uh, 20 seasons, and he played one of those in St. Louis. He holds the record amongst all offensive linemen who have played the most season with one franchise. Um, He was a teammate of Walter Payton uh, at Jackson State University. Wow. And, yeah, he is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how many seasons, over or under, did Ben Rothsberger play with the Steelers? 18 and a half.
0: Let's see. 2004 was when he was drafted. He got done in 2022. I'm going to say over. 19.
1: It's actually under. It's 18.
0: Oh, he played 18?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, two thousand last year. Two thousand four to twenty one.
0: Twenty one. Okay. I played twenty twenty
1: two. Oh, You guess. So I probably would have guessed it too. All right. How about this one? Larry Fitzgerald. He's next on this list.
0: is he still active?
1: (laughs) Okay. He's next on this list. Now, does does he have the same amount as Ben Roethlisberger? Or does he have 17 over or under 17 and a half? Oh, it's under. It is under. He played 17 years in the Girls. Yeah. 2004 to 2020. I forgot he played in 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Played that year with that one year with my DOP and Kyler. Yep. All right. That's pretty much it I have for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other players with 17 are Ray Lewis and Dan Moreno. Obviously, with the Ravens and Dolphins respectively, you have Rondé Barber, sixteen years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, John Elway, sixteen years with the Broncos. Antonio Gates, sixteen with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, uh, sixteen years with the Niners. Bart Starr had sixteen with the Packers. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning, sixteen as well as you mentioned with the Giants. So, yep. Some really good numbers there, I mean, putting up. Um, but, yeah, that that's uh, pretty much it in terms of trivia. Michael Strahan with 15 from the Giants. I'm sort of just reading this list right now. But, yeah, it's crazy to see how long these players have remained with franchises for so long, especially considering uh, staying with a franchise and retiring with it is it, so rare, especially for mm-hmm. some time. Um, but I'm surprised this list. Goes pretty long, especially when you reach uh, fifteen seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then only it's tough to do that. Sometimes so many things come into play, both for the player and then for the team as well. Yeah, definitely. Because there's some players now that could have could easily have made it there, but um, for one thing or another, it did not happen. Yeah. I
1: agree.
0: Biggest example, I think, would be Derek Carr.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. He has chance, but mm-hmm. everything just kind of went wrong there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll do it for trivia, and that'll do it for this episode number 98 here on Down the Line. Once again, I am Kyle Betts, joined as always by my co-host, Brad Honda. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Kyle B Betts. Brevin is at Brevin Honda. Uh, We're active on there. So give us a follow and uh, engage with us. Um, We're going to be posting more episodes there in the future. You can check out our previous episodes wherever you're listening to this right now. We are all uh, on all platforms. So uh, go and tell your friends about us and uh, we'll be back next week with episode number 99. We're closely approaching That number 100, that century mark, as I uh, talked about earlier here in the show, Um, we're looking forward to that one. That's going to be a really special episode, but uh, we'll get there when we get there, one episode at a time, and uh, that's going to do it here for number 98 here Down the Line. Once again, I'm Kyle Betts, joined by Brevin Honda. We will see you next week.